You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I can only say that it feels right, it feels right, it feels right. Hello, good friends, and welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Layups Podcast. I'm your host, Kai Redke, here, as always, with Julian Andrews. Julian, what's up, man? How much? How you doing? It's a Wednesday. Um, you know, motivation that, today. That about not, sums it up, yeah. <laughs> not super high, but it's always high to do this podcast. Um, before we get into the show, we want to thank our friends over at DraftKings. Julian, do you know DraftKings does UFC fighting? DraftKings participates in UFC fights? No, they don't participate. They, send, they, offer, they send representatives? <laughs> yeah. If you, see, if, if you don't hit your goals, um, they, oh, they no. send you into the the, uh, the octagon. Um, no, but they offer uh, daily fantasy for UFC. So if you haven't tried it yet, um, you pick six fighters. You stay under the salary cap, similar to all the other sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. So uh, very fun. Um, maybe not for me, but for some people, certainly. Um, and, and then they also obviously offer their, their NBA and, and MLB, which is, um, something I get into download the DraftKings app today and use the promo code TBPN to get a shot, get a shot at millions of dollars. If you don't sign up, we will throw you into the UFC ring um, against me against, <laughs> against Julian. And you don't yes. want it. You don't want you, that. You don't want that. You know, you don't want that. Uh, use the promo code TBN. Again, um, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay. Uh, We have a fun show today. We're going to kick it off with some Wolf stuff, um, some Rookie of the Year watch, and then we have an interview with um, Associated Press women's basketball writer Doug Feinberg. If you think that name is familiar, it's because um, either you've seen Doug Feinberg's work everywhere because he literally writes everything, or you listened to him like a month ago on this podcast um, when he talked about the Minnesota Lynx. So he's going to break down the WNBA draft. Um, that'll be in about uh, you know 15 minutes. Uh, otherwise, um, the Wolves standings watch. If you missed last episode, we go into the specifics of uh, if the Wolves, which is such a weird question to ask, like what if the Wolves, Wolves win too many games and they're the worst team in the league? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> What a weird question to ask, but of course they don't, you know, they, they lose their pick if they fall out of the top three. Um, they beat the Kings on Tuesday night, which um, feels like Luke Walton's probably going to get fired at the end of the season, or I don't know if his contract's up, but it doesn't seem like, wow. And, and how the mighty have fallen. Um, like when he was with the Warriors, everybody thought he was a golden boy. And I think he, then he went to the Lakers and things didn't work out there. And it turns out maybe sometimes when you just coach a, a really good Warriors team, it's easy. 
Yeah, when you already have an established system by a really good coach. Yeah. 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 Uh, Turns yeah. out maybe that's not he's, on you. He's not good. He should get fired. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Uh, but as we're recording this, um, the Wolves are 16 and 43. They're the second worst in the league behind the Rockets. Um, I think there's 14 games left, 14 or 15. Um, and um, they're two and a half games ahead of the Magic and the Pistons. So, um, you know, something to watch down the stretch. If you're very sad and you don't want to watch the winning teams, you can watch those losing teams. And the problem, the, the what gets problematic for the Wolves is um, they play the Rockets, Magic, and Pistons all this again this year. And I would think the Wolves would be favorites in all of those games. Well, Kyle, we might be having the wrong conversation because as friend of the pod, Jace Frederick, pointed out on Twitter, the Wolves are actually not eliminated from playoff contention. It's true. Never give up. So... Yeah, I don't think it's going to be too long. The Spurs pretty much have to lose out. But uh, is this the latest? Happen. Is this the latest the Wolves have kept their playoff hopes alive in a season that they won't make the playoffs? Um, it's April twenty. Yeah. It's April twenty first. I mean, I'm just thinking the season was pushed back, so to still have relevant basketball for the Timberwolves on in late April that's unheard of. Yeah, very relevant. Yeah, Re- relevant wins and relevant losses. It's yeah. just all. It's all very significant and meaningful over here in, in Minnesota. It is. Um, okay. Uh, Julian, we hinted at this a few weeks back, um, or maybe not a few weeks back, maybe in our last episode, um, that there was some, some. I don't know, when LaMelo Ball got hurt with his wrist injury, I think everybody just assumed that he was going to be out for the season, but the, the Hornets never made any announcement really. Um, whereas in like somebody like James Wiseman, I think the team came out and said, um, he tore his meniscus and he's going to be out for the year. Yeah. Um, and that's a team and, and both teams are kind of in similar boats with um, they're kind of both hanging on to that, that playoff, like right in that eighth, eighth or ninth seed. Um, and obviously Wiseman's not as important to the Warriors as ball of this to the Hornets. But um, there was a report. Uh, it must've been on Monday from um, the Hornets. And they said that, LaMelo Ball has fully recovered from his wrist injury and could see the court as soon as seven or 10 days. Now, why is this relevant for the Timberwolves? It's because after Ball got hurt, I think everybody was ready to crown Anthony Edwards the rookie of the year. Um, And there's some chatter about Tyrese Halliburton um, maybe picking up steam, but um, I didn't didn't believe that. Uh, Julian, on Monday, um, the rookie of the year odds were – Anthony Edwards was minus 120. Halliburton was one plus 160. And LaMelo Ball was plus 250. The odds this morning, LaMelo Ball is minus 325, the overwhelming favorite. Anthony Edwards is plus 180. Halliburton's plus 750. And um, Emmanuel Quickly is plus um, 6,600. Um, so yeah, I don't, know, I don't get, know what would it, like in the real world would have to happen. Like everybody else not playing a game. Yeah, but even then, and like everybody else not playing the game, and the Knicks going undefeated to close out the season. Yeah, like if he drops forty in every game, and like Ball and they, Edwards, yeah, there's like a scandal. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say they get they get like <laughs> roped into some like gambling scandal or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, well, I hope that nobody bet on Anthony Edwards to win the Rookie of the Year at those minus odds. Well, sure, people okay. did, but I-, I want your question on this because I think you and I talked about this. Maybe, maybe it might have been some talk on the layup line our, our previous podcast, but like basically the question was if like w- with I think we talked about all NBA teams 
and whether or not a player who might be more important to their team, but if they play, mm-hmm. you know, a quarter of a season less is like what, what qualifies them. So basically ball is going to end up playing 25% fewer games than Edwards. Um, but so, I mean, the answer that you have to answer is, or the question you have to answer, if to answer the question you have to answer is, is playing on a playoff team and being more efficient um, make up for the, for playing less games. I think in this case it does. I think a lot of it, I like it. A lot of it depends on the timing of the injury. Um, like I think if LaMelo ball plays, you know, however many more games and then gets hurt and is, I think basically what I'm saying, I think playing at the end of the season matters just for the optics. Um, so I think kind of a, a, a mid to late season injury and then a return does not hurt your chances as much as a out for the season type of injury, even if the amount of games missed are the same. So I I think that LaMelo ball coming back is probably, probably unless he's really bad and Edwards continues to play really well, probably locks him up. I just think there's something about being out for the year and winning an award that kind of like triggers something in voters minds. But I, I, in this case, I, I think that ball will probably be able to win. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it helps that the Hornets are definitely going to make the playing game. Um, they're at the eight seed right now, but it seems, you know, unless they totally collapse, it doesn't seem likely that they'll fall to 11. Um, mm-hmm. And it just seems so overwhelming that, I mean, even though we see these nights where Edwards puts up 28 points um, on somewhat inefficient, last night was different. He was actually pretty efficient, but most nights he's not super efficient and the Wolves lose. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, how serious do you take that? I mean, if you were to pull every GM in the league, I would imagine 29 out of the 30 would probably take ball number one if they could. Well, well, the, so well I, the only reason that, yeah, the only reason that Edwards was ever in the conversation, well, he was in the conversation, but the only reason he ever was, you know, a favorite is because Lamella was hurt. And that's not the case anymore. So, yeah, let's, I'm going to pull up their ad averages quick, which I should have had up already. Um, but like I said, it's a, it's a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, Edwards, 18 points, four rebounds, three assists, 40% from the field, 32% from the three point line. And then you have ball, um, 16 points, six rebounds, six assists, 45% from the field, 35% from the three point on a winning team. I think if, if ball does come back like next week, I think, and he, and he puts up numbers like he has, I, I think he, yeah, I don't think there's a way in which now, if you were, if you were lucky enough to get the ball odds when he fell, good for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, card corner quick, um, prism cards that we've, we've, they've kind of settled and we kind of have a good idea of what the cards are going to go for. Um, after like the, the first wave, um, just for rookie, the rookie base prism card, Lamelo Ball is selling for two hundred fifty dollars, just for the card. Um, not graded, because BSA is down, of course. Um, Anthony Edwards fifty five dollars, and Halliburton is thirty. So a huge discrepancy between uh, Ball and everybody else. I don't think there's that much of a discrepancy between Ball and Edwards. Well, I mean, it, right now, no. But if you're thinking that Ball is going to be like in the Kevin Durant stratosphere of good, good players. Yeah. But I, do, I'm sorry, but like, do you see that? 
You think it's um, going to be like a KD? Like the, well, I, mean, I, I guess like position wise, you could compare it. Like he reminds me, like, I mean, he's a better rookie than what we saw from like Jason Kidd when he was a rookie. Yeah. So, so I don't think that's like, I don't think saying that he could be like a top five, top 10 player in the league is like a crazy thing. But, and but then like, do you think Edwards is never going to be a top 50 player? Sure. But like, I mean, that's like, that's like asking the difference between, um, you know, I don't know, like Chris Paul and D'Angelo Russell. It's like, sure. D'Angelo Russell might be a top 40 player in the league. Yeah. But like you're like, if you you'd rather take a 10% chance at Chris Paul than never having D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. I, I agree. I, I just, I guess I, I think Lamella ball, I mean, obviously he's been really good, but we haven't seen I mean, we've only seen him for not even a year. I think that putting him in a tier with KD and like a legit superstar, I don't know. I've been reading some stuff about like how he's like the guy that people would start a franchise with. I, I just don't quite see it. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, like just for the card market, I think paying, I think paying two hundred fifty dollars for a card of a base rookie, like it doesn't leap. Like you know, whether you think of the player aside, I, I just think that putting two hundred fifty dollars doesn't really give you much of a, you know, it's not a what, window for. To I was going to say sell it later. Like th- there's not a huge room, like you know, wiggle room there. Um. Wait, like if the, you if you spend that money you ha- you you have to be thinking that he's going to be like a superstar. Yeah, and like I don't know if you're turning into grading right away, but um, I mean the problem with the with the problem with this product is slowly throughout the next year, Prism's either going to get more affordable or people are going to have more money to spend on it, and then more and more of the product is going to be out, and then there's going to be more and more Lamelo Ball cards, and then you know like two fifty just doesn't seem reasonable no. uh for for a base price i mean it's it's similar to top shot right like early like you know with top shot early on everything was super super expensive and that's basically what we've seen and we should have learned that's what happens after every single product is released in sports for sports cards um the first week or two everything is sky high and then um it starts to kind of level up um uh, an article over at the ringer um I, t- oh I, don't, I, don't I don't necessarily believe this, um, but Zach Cram from the ringer did a basically comps for every player in the lottery um, in the NBA lottery from the last year. And Timberwolves fans were not, were not happy with what Anthony Edwards got. His comps were Kobe white, J.R. Smith, Colin Sexton, Dion waiters and Jordan Crawford. Um, kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Which, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be too much of a homer here, but like Dion Waiters, like you don't think Anthony Edwards, you don't think Anthony Edwards is going to be like be in the league in four years. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. That's like kind of insane. And, yeah. You know, like that's just like, I feel like this is kind of a like, I don't know. Zach Cram is like a really good writer and has like uses a lot of data and stats. And I know that he knows his stuff, but like that feels just like, either a statistical anomaly or just like something to get clicks. Like I no, I find one real person who what? legitimately thinks that Anthony Edwards is going to turn into Dion waiters. If you read, if you read the piece, um, LaMelo ball was pretty much the only player that had encouraging comps. That's yeah, probably like, Steph, LeBron, Katie. It, it, was, like, it was like John Morant. <laughs> um, like Ben Simmons would have been on the list. Had they not used three points? I mean, like basically 
every like every rookie is just so bad that their comps are going to be players that have have also been bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Patrick Williams, like the best player in his w- list was like Drew Gooden, and Drew Gooden was fine. But if like that's your ceiling as a like for Patrick Williams, it's like okay, well, I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah. Like Lamelo Ball is going to be the greatest player in this draft class, and the next best player is going to be Drew Gooden. Well, yeah, that's the kind of comparing apples to oranges too. It's like, okay, which like if these rookies don't develop another day, which NBA, which long term NBA veterans are they going to become? I I don't know. Whatever, I'm I'm fine. I'm not really that mad about it. It's just like funny to me. No. I think this like desire to find comps based on three quarters of a season for rookies is just, is kind of misplaced. I agree. I'm with you. Um, just fun. Um, and I had to get the, the Twitter crowd riled up every, whenever I tweet something that people think it's me, like they're like, that's, you don't watch any basketball. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't fucking write the article, man. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just, I just said, yeah, I don't know if I believe that. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's get Doug Feinberg on. He's going to talk links and WNBA draft. Um, of course, the links just like the rich get richer. They crush the draft again. Um, listen to Doug; he knows more about it than we do. But um, yeah, otherwise we will see you all next week. But yeah, enjoy the interview. Um, and yeah, Julian, we'll talk soon. Welcome back to the Ten Thousand Layups Podcast. Um, I am Julian Andrews. I'm here with Doug Feinberg, covers the WNBA for the AP. Uh, Doug, welcome back. Nice to have you. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Julian. Always a pleasure to chat with you. A little link basketball. Exactly. Exactly. So WNBA draft was last Thursday. The Lynx took Renaya Davis. Uh, it seems like from Twitter, everyone's thinking that this was a pretty good get. For the Lynx, can you kind of just say, you know, who's Renaya Davis for Lynx fans who might not watch college ball? I think, first off, it's a great get. I mean, every year, Coach Reeve slash GM Reeve always gets these awesome players without having a top three or four pick. I mean, you had Nafisa Collier a couple years ago. You had Crystal Dangerfield, the rookie of the year, from the second round last year. Now you get Renaya Davis at nine, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I don't think Coach expected her to be there. I mean, she was a top five talent. That fell to ninth. I mean, she's a she's a great a great wing. She can score. She's a pretty good defender. Like she's going to give them some depth or more depth, probably at the, at the three three four three two position. I mean, she's she's a great pick for them. I I heard. I wasn't in the room, obviously. I, I don't think she was on their draft board because I don't think they thought there was any chance she would drop to nine. So I mean, what's yeah. the about a player that you thought you'd get her before? There's no you'd have a chance to get her, and she was sure enough was there at nine for them. Yeah, I heard that uh, she was at two on their board or something um, when they when they do their big board, and I I guess everyone was really surprised to get her. Do you have any inclination as to why she might have fallen? It was a strange draft. Uh, that's the best way I can phrase it. I mean, everyone kind of figured Collier was going first. Everyone figured the Finnish gal was going second, and then it was kind of like, what's going to happen next? Atlanta, Indiana, kind of hold the keys to the rest of the draft, mm-hmm. and. and no offense to Indiana. I, I don't know what they were doing. I think they could have gotten Kyrie in the second round, potentially. No one had her that high on the board, and I think that might have tweaked things a lot. Uh, I mean, everyone had Dana Evans and Arella uh, Garantes going in the first round, and then Evans fell to 13 and Garantes fell to 22. So that just tells you to show, A, we have no idea what we're talking about when we make these mock drafts. 
I actually didn't have the coaches do one this year. So I feel a little bit vindicated because I don't think they would have had the way it went. But that's the thing. I mean, it's a mock and people aren't right. going on. And sure enough, Minnesota benefited from getting a really good player at number nine. Yeah, it's always interesting to me when drafts go like in a way we don't expect them. Like, is it that something changed or is it just that we as media have like misinterpreted from the beginning what everybody was looking for? Do you think that this was kind of a case of teams drafting for specific needs versus overall talent? Or how would you kind of, you know, talk a little bit more about why it might have gotten so weird? So this to me was a weird draft because there's some good players in this draft. But there's no franchise changers in the draft, if that makes sense. I mean, listen, there's no Brianna Stewart. There's no Asia Wilson. There's no Maya Moore that was in this group. There are some players that will help teams out. So I think it was more based for what you think you need more than finding like that franchise player, which just isn't there. So I think that's part of it. I'm not sure, again, why people drafted the way they did. I mean – it's funny. I was talking to some friends of mine who know a little bit about women's basketball. Charlie Collier, who went first, is a, is a good player. Every big game she had this year, you might add a question. Like when they played Baylor, they played West Virginia, she struggled a little bit. She's being double triple team, but she wasn't the 25 and, and 10 she was in his other games. So there's thought, well, maybe you don't draft her first. Maybe she, Atlanta didn't need another big, and Indiana didn't need another big. Maybe you get her at five. But you don't want to take that risk. And again, what does that say to the player? Well, you didn't want me at one. You want me at five. That's sort of a slap in the mm. face. I was supposed to be number one. So as I said, it just was a, a strange draft that way where after the top two, I think everyone knew that was going to happen. It was sort of a crapshoot who's going to go where. And sure enough, it, it was a situation where feeling needs and, and what you think you need. And that's what I think teams went for. Yeah. It's interesting to think about that relationship management part of the draft. That's a really interesting point. I haven't really thought about that before. Um, so thinking now thinking about Renaya Davis specifically, you mentioned kind of what she can do. Where do you see her fitting in with the rest of the Lynx roster? You know, that's a great question. I mean, they're a really deep team right now. Yeah. I mean, the moves they made to pick up Powers and McBride and Achunwa, that's three really good players they added to a roster last year that was pretty strong to begin with. So the good news for, for Davis is there's no pressure. You don't have to come in and score – 20, 15 a game, 10 a game, because you have so many pieces around her, she can learn some really good from some really good vets already and sort of find herself that way. I mean, listen, was Dangerfield expected to do what she did last year? Right. No, but injuries happened, and she stepped in and played great. So uh, you never root for an injury, obviously, but I think Davis might have to find herself, and, and there is no pressure on her right away to come in, hey, you got to be the franchise savior. The franchise is in great shape whether she plays – two minutes a game or 15 minutes a game, they're in really good shape to begin with. Uh, going back to last year's draft, um, like, you know, talking about how we put together these mock drafts and um, like everybody had Crystal Dangerfield in the first round and then she went went to in, in the second. And, um, you know, with Herbert Harrigan going to the links, nobody had that happening. Then it turns out, you know, Dangerfield is, is was, you know, had a great rookie rookie campaign, obviously for good of the year. Um, then the links just traded – um, Herbert Harrigan and, and, and um, Reeve has never been shy with um, if, if she doesn't like a player or I, I shouldn't say like, uh, but if, if she doesn't see a player that can fit, she will move on quickly. Um, and, and we saw that they, they were able to get a, a first round pick out of it. But um, do you have any intel to, to why they moved on from, you know, a, a top six pick 
uh, you know, less than a year later? It, it may be. I wouldn't say I have intel. Just the, the outside looking in view is I think they just had better veteran options coming in to get. So why not do what you can to win now as opposed to win later? I mean, coaches said many times that she doesn't really believe in rebuilding. So they've never had to in the last decade. It's always been finding ways to reload, make those free agent pickups, make those, as I said, really good draft choices that no one thought Collier was going to be rookie of the year probably from the sixth spot. No one definitely thought Dangerfield would be rookie of the year. So she's done a tremendous job the last couple of years with great draft picks when there wasn't the Maya Moore, the Simone Augustus, the top uh, picks, so to speak. Um, and instead, trading for Lindsey Whalen years ago, trading for Sylvia Fowl or picking up Sylvia Fowl. Like those are two things that help this franchise without, for the most part, rebuilding through the draft and then adding pieces the last couple of years in Collier and Dan And Herbert Harrigan had a nice run for them last year. But if you can get a McBride, you can get a Ariel Powers, you can get a Chanwa without giving up too much. Well, that's really good to build a franchise. Yeah. And if you're able to, like, I, I, I guess, you know, I think sometimes people say, well, they gave up on this first round pick, you know, that pick was a failure, but if you're able to turn that pick into another first round pick two years down the line and fill in pieces for that player that, that are better fits for your current team. Like I, that's a genius because who knows what the 22 first round pick will be for Seattle. Um, obviously the, the, the price still be very good and maybe at the end of the first round, but you never know. Um, and you're basically just prolonging that value because most of the times, once you draft a player in the first round, no matter what the sport, um, after a year, in, unless they're, a, you know, an all rookie player, their value diminishes. It's kind of like the car out of the parking or the, you know, the, 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 um, the, the, car. the car off the lot. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, totally. Um, took me longer to get there than I would have liked. Yeah. I just think that was, uh, you know, you, you look at that and, and that's, that's, a, that's a smart thing to do, but um, I, yeah, Julie, I, what was yeah, that? I was just going to ask if you had anything else. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I just wonder also, cause it's the league is so competitive. Um, I wonder I think kind of sometimes in the NBA, I see these moves and I'm wondering kind of, you know, did the team move this to preserve relationships with an agent to give a player a chance to play elsewhere? Um, you know, and with Herbert Harrigan, not like, not there really isn't a path for minutes for her. I don't think on this team anyway, I wonder how much that could have played into it too. But yeah, I don't I think it's yeah not a bad move because she was good. Like she definitely showed flashes, but it wasn't like, you know, as you said, franchise changing. Right. And, and listen, I think a big difference in the W versus the NBA, where the NBA players can leave college after one year or two years, they're not as developed. Whereas mm -hmm. most part, women's basketball players stay for four years. You kind of, and again, they develop playing overseas as they get older and such. But for the most part, what they get out of college, you kind of know who the person is. Like they're not going to like, really develop their game, completely change who they are when they turn pro and five, 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're right. Get the, the cars out of the lot that, you know, what you're going to get out of Herbert Harrigan and not that she's a nice player. I mean, she can shoot the ball a bit and, and help in some ways, but I think it's also important to um, give them a chance to see what they can do with someone else and that her flourish, maybe Seattle has some spots to fill right now that, she might do well there and might fit in well there. And it's something that she might be able to become a better player and get more minutes, more of a chance in Seattle system than she would right now in, in Minnesota's. Yeah. Cool. Kyle, got anything else? That is it. That is it for me. 
Well, thanks, Doug. Appreciate you stopping by. Always a pleasure. Um, we'll probably, you know, we'll probably hit you up again closer to the start of the season or beginning of the season. But we're all looking forward to the things kind of getting underway. Yeah, Doug, yeah. you're the only two-time two-time guest on this show, I think. Wow, that's, that's uh, true. Yeah. We'll, send, we'll send you a plaque. You can hang it behind you with with your other awards. And, yeah. um, Let, let's go great. five times. Let's okay. uh, two's too two's too easy. Five time. Person that get that spot, then we can talk about plaques or, or maybe a, a commemorative basketball or something. But we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll take care of it. We'll sign one yeah. for you. That, yeah. That'll be worth a lot. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate right, it Doug. as always. Thank you.